0: Merry Christmas 2021! I think many of us are hesitantly looking forward to Christmas, and maybe even more hesitantly toward 2022. At this time last year, I think most of us looked at 2021 as the year we thought we would, or at least might get past COVID. And yet, here we are with a new COVID variant causing lots of disruptions around the world. And this has left many of us wondering and scratching our heads, what has happened? Why has this happened? that most of us have an insatiable desire to find meaning or purpose, and even the most random and seemingly bad events in life. We try to answer these questions because it can help us find some measure of hope. And today, many of us probably need just a little bit more than a measure of hope. Because without hope, we can feel like there is no purpose to life. It can feel like maybe Richard Dawkins was right when he said some people are gonna get hurt, other people are gonna get lucky, And you won't find any rhyme or reason in any of it, nor any justice, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Merry Christmas, everyone! Well, that is certainly one approach, but that approach has no hope because there's no purpose behind anything. However, even when what we see and experience points us in the direction of random, pointless, and purposeless, there's something in us that resists surrendering to that notion. We instinctively want to find good in the bad, positive in the negative, and purpose for our pain. We are almost all hypocrites, though, because I haven't met any people who are obsessed with trying to make sense out of the good things in life. Uh, We typically don't wrestle with why our parents didn't divorce, uh, why our kids are so healthy, why we didn't lose our job. We want and, and somewhat expect those good things, and we don't really spend as much time and energy looking for meaning and purpose in those good things. We consider good things to be normal, and if it's good, then that is enough meaning and purpose for most of us. The expect exceptions, rather, uh, the interruptions, that, that call from the doctor or from your child's school, the bad things, we look for meaning for. Like, why God? Like, What's the meaning of this? Is, is there a God? And this is a bit hypocritical, but I get it because I am definitely not immune from it. Also, that thing in us that sort of longs to find purpose and makes sense out of things in life, I think that is quite possibly the image of God stamped on our hearts. Or as Solomon wrote, it is eternity sort of written on our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11 said this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And there's something in us that knows that there is more to this life than just this life. We all long for something bigger, a a bigger narrative that makes sense of things, a comprehensive explanation of what is going on in our world, and more specifically, what is going on in my world. We need that narrative because we need hope. Uh, We long for that narrative because there is an answer to that narrative. And as C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, If I find a desire in myself which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world we almost can't help but assume that there's a plan. That when things go off the rails from our perspective, that is when we are most interested in what the plan is. And that's when we sort of look for reassurances that God is still in control and he's up to something. We ask why? Because we are made in the image of a purposeful God who created a purpose-filled world. For instance, think about the phrases that we've coined around this notion. Uh, These aren't phrases that are necessarily religious. But I would suggest they flow out of the image of God inside of us. Uh, We say things like this. Everything happens for a reason. I don't believe in coincidence. I guess it wasn't meant to be. I guess our time had come. Now these phrases are such a part of our lives that as I typed out the first two phrases in Google Docs, Google Docs auto-filled them for me. That we want events, especially suffering, to connect to something purposeful. And then when it isn't apparent how it connects we go searching for it, we go looking for it. And this dynamic retention may actually explain your on-ramp to faith. It was almost as if you had a pebble in your shoe that you couldn't ignore any longer. The pebble was the questions about your purpose. And so eventually you looked up. And this same dynamic, uh, uh, why did this happen? Why did it happen to me and my family? This same dynamic and the seemingly randomness of life and the lack of hope may have signaled the end of your faith as well. You probably never doubted God when things were going good, Uh, You didn't go searching for a purpose for your happiness. But when you got that call, when he left, when she didn't recover, your faith never recovered either. And that's understandable. However, the fact that you lost faith when life didn't make any sense actually sort of underscores and highlights and, and serves as a reminder that there is something in you that longs for a purposeful world. And when the world, as you expected it, To be fell apart. Your faith in the God who you thought sustained a purposeful world fell apart with it. And that desire that C.S. Lewis describes uh, is sort of is a resistance to the meaningless existence. That must come from somewhere. And I would suggest possibly from someone. That your soul insists there is more. Uh, Maybe eternity really is planted in your heart. Uh, Maybe purpose and hope are sort of tied together. So imagine there is a transcendent God who has his own purpose and a plan for humanity. And what if that plan would intersect your life? What if that plan required a disruption in your plan from time to time? What if his plan required a disruption of our assumptions for for how things should be if God is who he says he is? What would it look like if that good God interrupted the natural world as we know it to make himself known? What if that interruption would give us something to connect to on our quest for purpose and hope? The narrative around the birth of Jesus is actually a reminder that the thing in us that wants to connect the dots and that thing in us that looks for hope, that thing is not to be ignored. The Christmas story is a reminder that there's an overarching narrative that we have been invited and included in. And that overarching narrative provides us with the context for our entire lives. And it begins like this in Luke chapter 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, initially, this just seems like so many other engagements of the time, but this engaged couple was about to experience a massive interruption that would disrupt everything. And yet, this interruption was God doing something that would eventually intersect the stories of all people. Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you confused and disturbed mary tried to think what the angel could mean that she didn't understand if this was going to be good news or bad news verse 30 don't be afraid mary the angel told her told her for you have found favor with god that basically you've been singled out for a purpose and god is showing up in your story however this will be a severe interruption in your story and here's what that interruption will look like you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Which is probably not what Mary had planned as a teenage girl. At this point in the announcement, that would sort of interrupt her life. And Mary asks a very valid question Mary asks the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Now that might be true, but from Mary's perspective, everything just got a lot more complicated. Like nothing in her life would be as she expected it to be. And this could be right where we find ourselves this Christmas, looking ahead at 2022, that will likely have more disruptions and uncertainty. And yet at the same time, we have heard that the word of God will never fail. What does that even mean? How do we respond to something like that in the face of incredible disruption and uncertainty? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And then, right before the baby's birth, Caesar Augustus would complicate things further by announcing that a census had to be taken for all of the Roman world. And so Mary and Joseph would have to travel all the way down to Bethlehem to register for the census. Now, this journey was over 100 miles riding on a donkey. Well, they did go ahead and travel down there, but they traveled slow enough that by the time they arrived in Bethlehem, there were no guest rooms available. And while in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to a son, and they name him Jesus, just as the angel had instructed them. And then their circumstances go from just uncomfortable to completely unsafe. Uh, Mary and Joseph get word that King Herod felt so threatened by the rumors of the birth of a future Jewish king that he goes to extreme lengths to ensure that the baby king would not survive infancy. And so Mary and Joseph escape to Egypt about 200 miles further from home, further from family, further from normal, further from what they had planned and expected. And then Mary hears that Herod's soldiers went to Bethlehem and the area around Bethlehem and slaughtered every Jewish boy two years old and under. And while Mary probably felt some relief knowing that her son was safe, at least for the moment, Mary probably also felt the weight of the grief knowing that it was the news of her son's birth that incited Herod's rage. And while Mary was highly favored by God, her circumstances certainly did not reflect that. And it didn't seem to lead to hope. That Mary's circumstances seemed to be chaotic, random, and hopeless. And this is where it might be helpful to distinguish between hope and optimism. That optimism is choosing to see how the circumstances could work out for our best. And hope, as discussed in the scriptures, is not based on circumstances. In fact, the hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there is no evidence that their circumstances will get better. But they choose hope anyway. And this includes Mary, who chooses hope anyway, that her circumstances weren't good. And to be honest, they didn't get better because eventually she would watch her son be killed. She watched her son be killed. And through Mary giving birth to Jesus and watching him be killed, she discovered that our hope is not based on circumstances. Our hope is based on a person, her resurrected son. And through the story of Christmas, we are also reminded that God interrupts the lives of of women and men, so they can participate in his story of redemption. That we can find hope and purpose in that. And and Paul would state this idea in a little bit more theological terms in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. That Paul realized that he was invited to the epicenter of what God was doing in the world, And you have been invited into that as well, that we have the opportunity to cooperate with God in his plan and purpose for everything. Uh, Mary said something similar that we read earlier, but she said it in more personal terms when the angel delivered the unsettling news that her life had been permanently disrupted. Here's what she said. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That these circumstances were not what she had planned or anticipated. The circumstances around the birth of Jesus and many more circumstances after that did not seem hopeful. And yet, Mary demonstrates hope in a person. God, who would overcome the circumstances. God and Jesus would overcome the worst of circumstances. Death. That optimism is sort of making a choice to, to look for the best based on the odds. And hope is making a choice to wait on God to bring about a future that is as surprising as a Savior coming to earth born as a baby, and as surprising as that Savior being crucified only to rise from the dead. That our hope as Jesus followers looks back to the birth of Jesus and to his resurrection in order to look forward. That God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. That you are not invited to optimism, just sort of seeing how our situation could work out for the best. You are invited to find hope for the future because of a person, the baby, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. That this Christmas you are not invited to a, a hope based on circumstances because you may or may not see evidence that our circumstances will get better. But you can choose hope anyway because God's past faithfulness, it motivates hope for the future. And this Christmas, you're invited to remember the good news that Jesus stepped into our world to bring hope in spite of the circumstances. And even though this holiday season may not be what you expected or hoped for, uh, even though 2022 might include circumstances that are difficult to deal with, even though this next season might bring more uncertainty and events that that don't seem to have a purpose, we are invited to wait, hopefully, in Jesus, our Savior, who was born 2,000 years Ago. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this season that reminds us of so many things. And this season can get so busy and so filled with things, and, and sometimes it can even sort of distract us from the purpose of, of Christmas. So, God, would you help us right now, in this evening, in this moment, uh, through these next few days, would you help us to be able to focus on the purpose of Christmas? Would you help us to focus on the hope that Christmas brings all of us? That even though the circumstances around us might not be the way that we had wished for, they don't don't even seem perfect, they don't even seem good, it sort of reminds us of the circumstances that Mary was facing. The circumstances of you coming to earth. they, They didn't seem to be all perfect to the people around them. And yet you came to earth for us to bring hope. To ultimately to give your life for our sin. And to come back from the dead to show us the hope that we have that is not based in this life, that is so much bigger than this life. So God, for the people that are discouraged today, the people that are depressed, the people that that need to see hope, would you help show them the hope that they can have because of Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago? Would you help do something in their hearts? Would you ignite that passion, that flame, that spark of the eternity that you've planted in their hearts? Would you help them to look up and see you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.